Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Church London catch-up service. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a passion to present Jesus to London and would love for you to be part of the adventure. So why not say hello to us by visiting our website manualchurchlondon.org so we can get back to you and say a bit more of a personal hello. Play you some of my songs today. Is that all right? You can carry on chatting a little bit. But listen, if you can guess the song, and I want the name of the song and the artist, then you get big points. No. And it's not Take That, and it's not The Spice Girls. And, and I am more eclectic than just drum and bass, as some of you would think. But who's got this in their locker? No, I got it. You have to come and shout it out or tell me. You got it. Yeah, go on. All for one. It is. Come on, Ray. Well done. Can we get it cranked up a little bit? These are the tunes. Yeah, I need the artist as well, though. Come on. No. I love singing. Shall we sing? You ready? Come on, Katie, what you got? Sometimes in our lives You got this as well. We all have pain. Bill Withers, it's come already. You've been beaten to it. Who's got this? Should we wait for the drop or should we just move on? Bear in mind, I understand if you're under the age of 30, you've got no idea what's going on. But just, just humour us. Yeah, we got it. We got Celine Dion. We know, we know. I'll fast forward this one because it trips people up. We need this to come in though, don't we? We do. Oh, you didn't think you were coming to church for this today, did you? Woo. This is the car song, isn't it? When I'm getting Caleb and the windows are down. Come on. Are you going to sing with it? You are. Ray is anyway. I can't start until it comes right in and I'm so sorry. That's it. Yeah. Okay. We've got, we got a couple more. I can't not put a drum and bass one in, so this is old wicked, school. Wicked. You remember this? Is massive. Yeah. Wicked, wicked. Incredible. Yes, Vicky. I am incredible. This is what me and the boys sang at karaoke. Yep, pastors do sing karaoke. We were in Spain in the summer, and I forced the boys to get up and do this one with me. Long, long. Time ago, and by the way, I can still remember American Pie, Don McLean. Over eight minutes long, and we did the whole lot. <laughs> smashed it. I don't know how everybody else felt about it, but we smashed it. 
So, guys, today we are on the subject in Nehemiah, believe it or not, on singing. There's this moment in Nehemiah chapter 12 where the choirs are gathered after the city is built and they deliberately just take some time to sing. And uh, if you haven't already clocked it, I, I literally love singing. I literally sing every day of my life without fail. I sing in the shower. I sing when I'm getting ready. Vicky knows if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, depending on what I'm singing. The boys sing with me. Vicky sometimes sings with me and sometimes tells me to shut up. I sing genuinely in the gym. I sing on the way home from the gym. Sometimes people give me weird looks. I've always become, already sorry, become that strange person that just walks through the streets singing songs, usually worship at that time. But it's not just worship uh, and hymns that I sing. I just love singing in the office when we have an office and we sort of go in and out. Uh, these guys do get a little bit annoyed. And it, it literally will be anything from Disney to 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, very rarely modern, if I'm completely honest with you. It'll be old school worship, new school worship. I just love to sing. And do you know what? Singing is a really, really good thing, no matter what. Except when we're losing at Tottenham, obviously, and we try to sing. But you know what? Singing doesn't come anywhere close to when we sing to God. When we sing to God, something incredible happens. And it may be that you're here today and maybe you're just checking out church and you're like, I thought that singing was just about tradition. I just sort of thought that's what Christians do. Maybe you've been a Christian all your life and you've never just pressed pause and thought, why do we sing? Well, what I want to do today is I want to help us understand why we sing. And we're going to do it out of the passage in Nehemiah chapter 12. And I've asked the wonderful Jamie Allen to come and read the scripture to us this morning. So let's give it up for Jamie as he comes to speak to us. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, harps and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, <laughs> also the Beth Gigal from the region of Geba, and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate, and after them, went Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, and certain of the priests' sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zakor, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, <laughs> Azarel, Milalel, Gilalai, Mai, Methanael, Judah and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra, the scribe, went before them at the fountain gate. They went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David, at the ascent of the wall, above the house of David, to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall, above the tower of the ovens, to the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, and by the gate of Yeshana, and by the fish gate, and the tower of Hananel, 
and the Tower of the Hundred to the Sheep Gate, and they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me, and the priests, Eliakim, Masaiah, Minyanin, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, oh, Zechariah, Hananiah, <laughs> with trumpets, and Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehoanan, Malkijah, Elam, and Ezer. And the singers sang with Zechariah as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Amen. Anyone guess why I got Jamie to read the scripture today? Oh, my favorite name in there is definitely Uzi. Imagine being called Uzi. Maybe someone here, is anyone here today called Uzi? I'm, I love that name. So um, today I want to talk, um, Matt Redham talked about 10,000 reasons. This is Gaz Sims' joke. I've got 10 for you, okay? Uh, so I want to talk about 10 reasons why we sing, particularly as Christians. And um, there's so much that we could say. I, I hope this blesses some of it. Um, well, all of it, uh, just, just try and grab uh, bits of it, and we're going to finish by, by lifting our voices again to God. Um, so, are you ready? Ten reasons why we sing. Number one is because we're made to sing. Literally, as human beings, we are made to sing. But listen to this that John Piper said. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, mission will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. If you know Jesus, you are going to be there on that day when the redeemed gather around the throne. We are created, the very essence of our creation, the overflow of the love of God. Creation is an overflow of who he is created to benefit from being in relationship with him. We are created quite literally to be worshippers of the living God. Now worship, just to say right from the outset, is all inclusive of everything that we do. It's not just singing. It's, it's everything. It's the way that we think, the way that we act. It's what we say. It's what we do. All things unto God is worship. But a fundamental part of who we are, a fundamental way that we worship is to sing, to sing. From the beginning of the Bible right through to the end, the Bible is peppered with song. We haven't just invented it. It's not just the tradition. It didn't just sort of like get formed a few hundred years ago. Right from the beginning of creation, the Bible says that creation came from God by him singing it into being. Did you know that? That God is the God of song. Right through the scripture, we see the Psalms, song after song. And it's not just in the good times, it's in the bad times. It's when people are full of fear. It's when people are full of happiness. It's when breakthrough has come. It's when thanksgiving is due. The Bible is full of song. Remember when Jesus comes, we always remind ourselves, don't we, when Jesus is born, do you remember the angels come and they sing and they declare that hope has come to the world. Jesus himself 
on the Last Supper, before he goes to the cross, do you know, they prayed and they did what? They sang hymns. Jesus sings hymns with the disciples. Jesus now at the right hand of the Father, do you know he hasn't stopped, he still sings? Do you know that? Talks about that in Hebrews. He's a singer. He worships, he joins us. He's in our midst today by his Holy Spirit. In Revelation, we see this moment. We'll come to it a bit more. There are created beings that gather around the throne of God and they're singing. And then one day, the church, the people, the redeemed, all those who have been called by God said yes to the salvation of Jesus Christ will gather around the throne. And Revelation says, we will sing. We are designed to sing. The God of the Bible is the God of song. And we are made to sing more specifically. We are made ultimately to sing to him. So number one, people, is we are made to sing. Some of you are like, wow, what revelation. I genuinely thought I couldn't sing. Well, you go for it. For the glory of Jesus. Amen, Vicky. <laughs> number two. Because he's worthy. God is worthy of our song. Now, now listen to this. This isn't just simply because of what he's done for you or what he's done for me or what he's done for us. We'll get to that. And, and that is really, really important. I just want to start. Number two is that God, before he's done anything for us, is worthy of our song. Just simply because of who he is. You know, humanity loves to sing, right? In all kinds of different ways. And I've, I've talked about that already. We love to, to write love songs and to sing love songs to one another. Well, some of us do anyway. Um, and we'll, we'll sing in all kinds of different scenarios, right? So some of you, like, you're into your music and you'll go to festivals, to gigs, you know, those sort of spine-tingling moments at Glastonbury on the final night where the whole crowd is joining in and singing in. And it's just amazing. You get these moments at sports occasions, some short-lived, like I've already said with Spurs, where we'd be singing and then we're not again. Uh, and, and whole stadiums, thousands and thousands of people singing songs. And sometimes the object of the song is a person, sometimes. But it's usually pretty short-lived. It's usually sort of there in a moment and gone the next. And you might be like, no, 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 I reckon it, would, it doesn't stay. So if you take, for example, I'm sorry, obviously we're singing, we're talking about big crowds, so forgive that there's going to be a lot of talk around football today. But just if you're not into football, it's okay. Just, just imagine probably the greatest stadium that you could ever imagine being built by human hands uh, on planet Earth. And then there's these songs that come to probably one of the best footballers that's ever existed, a guy called Harry Kane. And here's our song that we sing to him. And I, I was there last wing, week, and we sing, he's one of our own, he's one of our own, Harry Kane, he's one of our own. Now, you don't need to join in with that. It's okay. I know it's foolishness. But I do join in with that song when it's sung. There's some that I definitely don't on the terraces uh, at the football matches and ones where I grab Caleb and sort of close his mouth from singing uh, and we don't get involved with those. But imagine if I followed Harry Kane around every day singing that song to him. <laughs> imagine if when Harry got up in the morning and he came down for his cornflakes, me and Caleb and Danny are sat at the end of his table. He's one of our own. He's one. Imagine if Harry Kane is going out for a nice meal with his missus and there, at the end of the restaurant table, is me and Danny and Caleb. He's one of our own. Just seems slightly inappropriate, right? And now, I'm not going to keep going with the story of following Harry Kane around because it would get more and more inappropriate as we move forward. 
it would not seem appropriate. And yet when you think about the person of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you think about created beings being around the throne of God, and you think about people singing now, and in all kinds of different nations, people are going to be singing through the course of the day, and they've already been singing, and there's going to be people singing forever and ever and ever and ever. There's something about that that doesn't seem inappropriate. There's something about that that seems absolutely appropriate. And I'll tell you why. It's because it is. It's utterly appropriate that we sing songs to the creator of the universe. That out was a hiccup. <laughs> I thought that was like a cross between a hiccup and an amen. <laughs> it's so appropriate. It's so appropriate that we sing songs to this God in Revelation chapter 4. It talks about these living creatures that are around the throne. Each of the living creatures had six wings and were covered eyes all around them under its wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay down their crowns before the throne. They say, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and they have their being. God is being worshipped. He's being sung to continuously from the very beginning of creation and will be sung to forever and ever and ever. Right from the beginning, he's worthy of our songs. There's no one else like him. The Alpha and the Omega. He's holy. He's set apart. He's different. He's perfect in every kind of way. There's nothing else that we can sing about. There's no one else that you can sing about that is faultless like he is faultless. There's no one else that you can sing about that has the depth of character that is perfect in every single way. He's the one that spoke creation into the being. He's the one that sustains it all. He is worthy of our song. Number three, we sing because it's obedient. The Bible tells us to sing. You know, the God of the Bible is good. You can say yes to that church, not just one of you. God is good which means that everything that he instructs us to do is also good, even when it doesn't feel like it. See, some of you love to sing, and some of you like, oh, do I really have to sing? You know who you are. We're going to be getting you up as a response today, actually, just to do some solos. Is that cool with everyone? No, I'm joking. But when, when the Bible instructs us to do something, we need to understand, even if we find it a bit difficult, that it's a good thing. The authority of God, the Bible, the word of God is our highest authority, his word. That's what we believe here at Emmanuel Church London. And so we will submit to it knowing, not that we're sort of like downcast and chained up because we have to obey the Bible, knowing that if we follow the instructions that God gives us, then ultimately it brings us life. It takes us into an open space. It takes us into a broad space. It takes us into happiness and into joy, ultimately. And the Bible clearly tells us to sing. In Psalm 81, 1 and 2, it says this, Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to God of Jacob. Begin the music. Strike the timbrel. Play the melodious harp and lyre. It commands us not just to sing, but to sing loudly. And it's not just sort of like crank the PA up. Some of you are like, please don't do that. It's like sing loudly. Sing with zeal. Shout to the Lord. It's a command. 
In Psalm 150, verse 6, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Some of you pretend when you're in church that you haven't got breath, but I know that you're all breathing this morning. You got breath, yeah? Then praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's an instruction. It's saying do it. It's not like if you fancy it, then do it. If you've got a lovely voice, then do it. If you're Beyonce standard, go for it. If you can't, then don't. Whoever you are, if you've got breath in your lungs, praise the Lord. And it doesn't stop in the Old Testament. The New Testament, Ephesians 5, 18 to 19 says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Some of us need that to sing a song, right? That's what the world needs. It's like, I'll have a bit of that and then I'll sing. We don't need that to sing. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's the person, third person of the Trinity. He's come and he dwells amongst his people, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs where from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. It's an instruction. How often do you get together to have a bit of food and a munch and start singing to one another? I think we should introduce this. ASAP. We need to sing. We need to spend time just declaring the truth. It is, it is part of the instruction that comes from God. I want to take this moment here just to say this. I want to honour you guys, Tim and Amy, uh, for leading the team, for Josh, for Juliet, who's not here. Don't start clubbing yet because there's, there's more. Well done for leading the team. Those of you that sing, those of you that play the drums, those of you that play these wonderful instruments that dance and bring zeal to the front, that help us to obey these commandments, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for the time that you give up. None of these people get paid to do it. Thank you for the PA team that get here to enable this sound to come through, for the visuals team to put the words. It's not just going with the flow. We're not just doing a thing for, for the sake of it. It's not tradition. We're following the command of God. This is what's happening. This is what you're doing. So guys, those of you that come early, receive that. That's what you're doing. You're helping the people of God to be obedient to his word. Well done and keep going. Number four, when we sing, we do it because it teaches us and it grounds us in the word of God. Colossians 3, 16. You with me still, yeah? Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. What a great line that is. Say that again. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. It's the message of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. Is it dwelling in us richly? Is it prized? Is it precious? Is it good? Does it put a smile on your face to remember everything that Jesus has done? The writer is saying, let the message dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So that's like the reading and teaching of scripture with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs. You might not expect that to come next. For where? From the spirit again. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Part of God's desire when we sing is that we, we sing from the scripture and from the spirit of God. And it strengthens us and it teaches us. It's why here at Emmanuel, we, we are keen to sing songs that's full of truth. Not your truth or my truth, but full of his truth, biblical truth. It doesn't mean that we can't get creative with song. It doesn't mean that we can't leave some license for interpretation. You know, like where we sing like, oh, and you're like, this isn't words, this is noises. We're good with that. That's okay. But we want to feast. We want to feast on the richness of the gospel that comes from his word. And we're dedicated to doing exactly that. Think about songs that are just are full of truth of the gospel. And they teach us. It reminds us where our hope is. It reminds us where our strength comes from. 
It reminds us who it is that's, that's holding us firm and holding us up. It reminds us of who saved us and who's won us. When we sing these songs, it's not just like because we fancy a little ditty on a Sunday. It's because we're engaging him. When we sing, it teaches us. It gets into us. Number five, we sing because it brings joy. And notice that I say it brings us joy, not we sing because we're happy. That's true as well. We were talking about that the other day, Ray, weren't we? From Sister Act 2, Lauren Hill sings, I sing because I'm happy and I sing because I'm free. Not as good as Lauren Hill, is it? X Factor. I thought that's where this was all going, George. Uh, and, and it's true, you do. Because, because there's something, when you get hold of the gospel and the spirit of God's in you, genuinely it can make you happy. It's okay that it makes you happy. It's some of us just need to be free. Yeah? So you, you know, like, I know that there's people, I'm not judging this room, right? I know there's people that are more expressive with their happiness. I'm one of them, okay? But there's some people that are like, Proper expressive with their happiness. Guys, if that's not you, don't look down on them. Because they've found treasure in the Lord. Cheer them on. You go for it. You go for it. Within reason, obviously, like, let's not get any crazy ideas for Sunday mornings, you know, congas and all that kind of stuff. But we can do that. We, you you want to be happy. We sing because we're happy, but we sing and it makes us happy. Right? The, the psalmist says, awake my soul. Sometimes we have to come to church and we're not sort of like skipping in saying like life's all cushy. We're coming to church being like, you know what? I feel like I've been dealt a bit of a bad hand this week. Awake my soul and sing. Awake my soul because there's truth that's way beyond my circumstances and so much better than I realize in my feelings. So awake my soul and sing. You know, shoulder to shoulder, you must have experienced it where you come into a situation, you're feeling a bit down, and you get shoulder to shoulder with a few brothers and sisters in Christ, and you start to sing, you're like, I feel all right now. And we leave, and we're like, why do I feel better? It's because we're, we're engaging with truth. We're singing truth. It makes us happy. Did you see in verse 43, the easiest bit to read of this passage, and they offered great sacrifices that day, and they rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard from far away. There was some rejoicing going on. Well, and I know we have to warm up sometimes because we come in and we're a bit cold from the week and all that kind of stuff. I get it. Like, it would be great if we just came in and it was like, woof. But we can nurture that. We can nurture that. We can get excited to come to church and sing. We can, we can get excited to get together, connect group and sing, to get together with friends and sing. Because of what we're singing about. It's, it's great to do it shoulder to shoulder, like on the terraces and at gigs and all that kind of stuff. It is. It's, it's good. My goodness, it doesn't compare to this. I, I tell, I, honestly, I'm excited when I come to church to sing. This morning was great. It helps us have joy. So let us sing number six, because it blesses the world around us. In that passage that we just read right at the end there, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard from far away. That's amazing, isn't it? So there's this journey that, that the people have been on. And if you play and catch up a bit, we're, we're in the book of, um, what book are we in? Nehemiah. Uh, and we're in this book of Nehemiah where basically this city was in ruin and the people had been sent out of it because they were disobedient to God. And what's happened is that they've come back and the city's been rebuilt. And the people that are looking on are just like, wow. Like, the Jew, 
the Jewish nation is back. Israel is, is forming again. The walls are back up. There's, there's a strengthening. And then, from far away, they hear singing. And that singing wouldn't have been self-indulgent. That singing would have been all about God. It was all about gratitude. A choir on the south wall and a choir on the north wall. And then the city joins in and there's great rejoicing. And the world heard. The world around them heard. This is who we're giving glory to. This is why this city's come out of the ground. See, singing can be missional. At New Day this year, again, those of you who don't know, we're involved with this big youth festival where we gather thousands of young people. Gaz turned it up so loud this year that people all across Norwich could hear us. <laughs> Honestly, people were going out to the shops and they were coming back saying, we could, we could hear you. And I'm like, oh, what, you mean like muffling? And they're like, no, 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 we could hear you. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Or they'd be like, we could hear that song. I was singing. I was joining in as I was walking around Sainsbury's. We need to make sure this doesn't get to the, to the council in Nor Norfolk, don't we? Uh, and I was like, good, good. Not because I want to annoy neighbours, or, uh, but when we sing truth, when we sing about our great God, when we give him glory, it does something in the hearts of people. People a little while ago were concerned as people were coming into churches that don't know Jesus. It's like, we don't want to sing too much. So what? That's, that's no good. Because I've experienced that firsthand. I've experienced it with friends come into church and they say, Ben, I feel overwhelmed with the peace that's in this place. They don't say of God, just the peace. I'm overwhelmed at the joy. When Vicky and I first went to church, you, a lot of you know the story. We, we walked in and church was like familiar territory for me. Vicky had never stepped into a church in all her life before. And genuinely, she looked around. She was like, what is up with these people? They are so happy, but it's the first time I've seen happiness that's legit. Like there's an authenticity here of, of joy. And you know, there's a, an overwhelming sense where I've seen people and, and just tears running down their face. Singing and giving glory to God. Just, just think for a moment what it's like just to look on and to see people who once were lost but then are found. Who were dead but now are alive. Who were filled and, and wrapped up in chains that have now been broken. That were oppressed by the evil one and now have been set free. That lived in darkness without hope and now have a hope in the future. Just, just think, and I know that's like who we are. <laughs> but think about looking onto that for a minute and those people singing. And those people declaring truth. And the Spirit of God working amongst those people. That's powerful. That's not just singing about winning a football match or a rugby match or a gig and singing a love song. That's like you're singing because you've been given life. And there's something significant about that. So it is missional. It blesses the world around us. Number seven, we sing because we are at war. Who knows that one? Newish, not that new. I sing a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. And you might be like, should we sing that again? I sing a hallelujah. Come on. Exactly. That is not just sort of like, oh, that, it's just songwriters just got to this place and it's like, that's nice. It's like, no, 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 hold fire. Listen to this psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who are going to stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days. 
of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. In his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and I will make music to the Lord. Church, I know some of you feel like the enemy is pressing in at the minute. And we go through seasons where it might feel like a week of it. For some of us, it might feel like months. For some, I, I know in this room, you'll be feeling like the enemy has been pressing in for years. I honestly can't think of a more intimidating posture to take against the enemy of God than to stand shoulder to shoulder with the saints and to sing and proclaim the truth of who God is and who we are in his standard. When we sing, when we sing in the spirit, it's disarming to the enemy. It brings breakthrough. It engages God and it deals with the enemy. It's powerful. You know the song like, All Hail the Lamb? Enthroned on high. His praise shall be our battle cry. He reigns victorious, forever glorious. His name is Jesus. He is the Lord. That's a great one to sing. All hail the Lamb. This is what we do in the presence of our enemy. Hail the Lamb, Jesus, enthroned on high. My battle cry is going to be worship and song to him. He reigns victorious, forever glorious. His name's Jesus, and he's the Lord. You want to do business with the enemy? Singing's a great place to start. Number eight, it brings us hope. Doing all right for time, just about. <laughs> brings us hope. Thanks. Uh, one of the things that happens, I'm back to it again. Here's the thing. <laughs> Last illustration from a football stadium. There's this thing that happens, right? So you, when, you, when you watch a team that's pretty average, like I do, <laughs> you, um, you often go into the stadium, there's no singing. Sometimes there'll be a bit of murmuring and we'll, you know, we'll all be a bit like, yeah, you know, we'll sing a little song here. And it definitely won't be the whole stadium. It's usually the keynotes. I try and sit with the keynotes because I like to sing. But it won't be the whole stadium. And um, get a goal. Starts to get a little bit lively. Get two goals, get three goals like last weekend against Forest. Me and the boys are up and we're singing. The whole, the whole stadium's singing. Everybody's joined in. But it's so fickle that the hope is based on, on a moment that is just shattered <laughs> within seconds, usually. Uh, and, and you get these moments then, obviously, where the other teams score. And then it, it, you sort of backtrack from the songs that you were singing and you get a little bit quieter. And then they get a penalty in the last minute and you backtrack even more. And, and so they're singing with a hope that's not founded or based on anything. It's brilliant. It's not based on anything. And, and, you know, this is where these songs come from. You know, like, there's this famous song, like, at a stadium where you'd be like, you're not singing anymore, you're not singing anymore. Because away fans come into the stadium, it doesn't matter who they are, they're coming in lively. And they'll be so lively. But you put three goals against them, they've gone quiet. You're not singing anymore. And then you get the lunatics, usually from the north, that just sing no matter what and take their shirts off and jump around for the whole game, Right? 
But as Christians, I want to say, our hope never diminishes. It never diminishes. It's not based on someone scoring a goal. It's not based on someone performing at the front and doing a belter of a song. It's not based on whether we perform here at church, not whether the lighting, the sound. It's not based on any of these things. We sing with hope. You know, there's this moment in Acts chapter 16 where, where Paul and Silas are put in prison. Do you know how they responded? They responded by praying and singing. Imagine being put in prison and you, you sort of sat there because you've nicked a couple of bits from the market and then you've got Paul and Silas next to you. You're all chained up getting ready to have your head chopped off and these guys are singing songs. You'd be like, what's, why? What's going on is that there's a hope, not just for the moment. And, and by the way, in that moment, the ground shook and they were set free, right? So then the people were like, wow, what is going on? This God that you're engaging with. But even in the moment, even if that hadn't happened, you know that they still would have been singing. Well, they were, because they were singing in the moment before being saved. Why? Because there's a hope that goes beyond the grave. I want to say to you, church, if you are in a situation and it feels hopeless, I promise you, in Christ Jesus, it is not. No one can sing to you, you're not singing anymore. Ever. Let them try it. We go singing and singing and singing on and on and on. Why? Because it's secure. He's set on the throne and he always will be. It's Jesus is where we find our hope. No matter what the circumstances, how dark the tunnel we have to walk through, he is our hope. Number nine, it unites us. We sing because it unites us. There's nothing like singing to unite our whole being to start with. So our soul and our body come together in a way that nothing else really brings it together, right? So when we sing, it's like our emotions and our feelings are connecting with whatever makes us sing, like our lungs and our throats and I don't know, some of you, you know. There's stuff in our body that's making us sing, right? So like the physical and the emotional, uh, our body and soul is coming together. It unites our whole being. But it unites us, as we've already talked about, to one another. We're shoulder to shoulder with one another. We look around, we realize there's a bigger picture. The circumstances that are going on in my life, there's something bigger. There's someone bigger. When we're singing, we're uniting ourselves in, in our being holistically, but also we're uniting with one another. But we're uniting with the world around us, the physical and the spiritual world. Jesus said, if these don't, if these don't speak out, the rocks would even cry out. The whole of creation, the universe, all together in the creation that's come from the overflow of God. It's just longing for Jesus to come again, to give him glory and honor and worship. We've already talked about the created beings that are around. When you sing on a Sunday morning, when you sing in your car, when you sing in Connect Group, you're not just singing on your own. You're joining in with creation, singing to the one, the only one that is worthy of all of our praise. We're uniting ourselves with something that is inevitable and that is already in play. It's being worked out and we're just coming into the slipstream and joining in and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And lastly, I tell you this, it doesn't just unite your body. It doesn't just unite you to one another. It doesn't just unite us to the world around us, spiritual and physical. Ultimately, church, ultimately, this is what happens when we sing. It unites us with him. With him, the legit God of the Bible. Not a person, not something that's going to fade away, not someone that's going to let you down, not someone that you're sort of like in favor with one minute and out the next, but the God of the Bible, who's true, who's present forever. This is what singing does. Number 10 is we're redeemed. We sing because people like you and me are invited to. We're invited in. 
You know, God sings himself. There's this song, like I said, at the beginning of creation, he sings. But there's also this moment in Zephaniah. Let me just read this to you. I know it's not on the, on, on the screen, but just try and hear this. When the Bible, in the Old Testament, it's talking about Zion and Israel, Jerusalem. Think about the church in the New Testament. It says, sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Now listen, the Lord has taken away the judgments that were against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. Now listen, the Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. That's what the Bible says that God does over us. He sings redemption songs over us. This moment in history for Israel, when we go back into Nehemiah, don't miss how profound it is. This was a homeless people that had basically been disgraced. They'd been put out, shamed, sent away from the city because they had turned away from God. What happens when the city walls are rebuilt and the people come back in and the temple is reestablished? You've got the makeup where the people of God are coming and encountering God again, encountering the word of God again. He's redeeming them. He's restoring them. He's inviting them back in as they sing. They sing with gratitude. In Psalm 137, there's this moment. It says, our captors required of us songs and our tormentors mirth saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they said, how shall we sing the Lord's song when we're in a foreign land? When they didn't have the city, when they were, when they were put to shame, when they were disgraced, they're like, we didn't have a song. We had nothing to sing for. Church, this is us. It's a picture of us. Every single one of us once were outside of the family of God. We were outside of the walls, deservingly, disgraced, put to shame. But the God of the Bible is a God full of mercy and full of grace. And you know what he did? He opened up the doors to the city, his city. And the king came out. And the king came out for you and for me. And he said, all the reasons that are upon you that means that you can't enter into my city. He said, I'm going to take the punishment myself for you. And he took the punishment that you and I deserved upon himself. And then he gave us his righteousness. He gave us everything that we needed to then walk with him back into the city and stand before a holy God. And bring him glory and honor. And to be known by name. And to be known as a son and a daughter. This is the richness of this story, church. We sing because we're redeemed. We were those who were disgraced and put to shame. But because of his great love and his great mercy, he's drawn us right in. It is good to sing, church. Really good to sing. I'm going to lead us in communion. And um, I felt like this morning there's a couple of people here today that might need to hear this. Can you just log, throw me a... Um, Um, 
what we're going to do is we're going to take this and then Tim and the band are going to lead us in a final song. We're going to just stay sat for a moment. And what I felt is that there's, there's some of us here today, you, you've never taken this before. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a Christian here today, um, then, then you don't need to take this. And it's okay just to watch and observe, and that's absolutely fine. This is a, a meal in the way that we remember Jesus. He, he instructed us to do it. We take the wafer, the bread, reminding of us of his body. We drink the juice, reminding us of his blood. And I want to say that this invitation that Jesus gives us is for every single one of us. No matter who you are, where you've come from, what you've done, there's an invitation today to have this meal this invitation and to come in to the city and to sing to him. So I'm going to lead you, church, first of all, those of you that know Jesus, we're going to take this. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, then I'm going to give an opportunity after this to come to him and to give your life to him for the first time. So church, where you're sat right now, why don't you just start to prepare uh, your little cup and I'm just going to pray for us as we, we take this together. So, Father God, we're so grateful we get to sing. <laughs> we really are. We're so grateful that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, for us. And so, Lord God, we take uh, this bread, this wafer, reminding us now of the blood of Jesus spilt for us. We say thank you. Sorry, the body of Jesus broken for us. And we say thank you so much for what you've done. That you've redeemed us. We receive it now with all of our hearts. Amen. And, Lord, we take the juice now. Remember the blood of Jesus shed for us. We thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to the cross. Thank you for all you've done for us, that we may be known as one of yours in your family and in your city forever. Amen. Tim, Ban, why don't you come join me? Just going to pray um, just before the band finish up and sing this song. Why don't you just all close your eyes, and um, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I'd love you just to pray this prayer in your heart. Um, you don't need to pray it out loud. Um, it's just between you and him. And then what I want to ask you to do is, after the meeting or during this song, I'd love you to come and speak to me, talk to me, um, and I'll either just talk it through of you. If there's a few people, then we can make sure there's a few of us as leaders that can help you with this. But this is about you saying yes to Jesus for the first time. This is about saying, I need a saviour. I need a king that comes out of the city for me and draws me home. So why don't you pray this along with me in your head or your heart. Father, thank you so much that you are the God of creation, the God that I've heard about today. And God, I want to say I'm sorry for the things that I've done in my life. Father, please forgive me. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his life and his death and his resurrection. I want to receive Jesus for myself today. The things that you've done on my behalf. Thank you. I want to live for you from this moment. And I pray that you would come and help me do so. So Father, if there's people here right now that have prayed that prayer, that are wanting to come into relationship with you, thank you that the cross is enough. 
Thank you that it deals with all of our past, all of our future. And I pray now, Spirit of God, that you would fill anyone that's prayed that prayer and just protect the precious nature of what's just happened. In the name of Jesus, I ask. Amen. I'd love to talk to you if you prayed that prayer. Let's stand and let's sing. Thank you.